Thank you, Julie. Thank you, everyone. I think uh, that sets us in the right place, doesn't it, for the next, for the next beatitude. God bless you all. God bless you all. Such a joy. Such a joy to see each and every one of you and uh, together to stay here in the presence of our Lord, having fellowship with one another. That is a gift. That is a blessing. Uh, and what a great journey we started at the beginning of this year, looking at the Beatitudes. I hope you're enjoying as much as I do. It's amazing, isn't it, to see in the heart of the kingdom of God, to see the heart of Jesus through this series. Some challenging words as well, um, hearing God's calling for our lives to come closer in a relationship with him. But it resonates with our souls, all these Beatitudes. And hearing from Chris um, two Sundays ago, blessed are the meek. Um, we also learned how meek Chris was with his Greek language in college. Um, pew, ouch, I liked his Chris's um, reactions. And then we learned from Andy on blessed are the merciful. And uh, we found out Andy doesn't really like people very much. But he loves them. He loves them. So the messages are online, as you know. Um, please feel free to go back and listen uh, to get up to date. And be attitudes. Those words from our Lord Jesus do resonate, uh, resonate with our life. But firstly, I wanted to remind ourselves, why are we doing this study? Because looking at the, the Beatitudes as these kind of requirements, in a way, can make us feel a bit you know, down or make us feel not as good um, in, in eyes, uh, in the God's eyes. So clearly, this message is to show us the blessings that we already have in our lives. So that's what I wanted to, to remind ourselves. Because if we are Christians, if we are born-again Christians, we do have these Beatitudes already in our lives. Yes, we could improve, and we should uh, you know, follow these teachings to improve and come closer to God and become more like God. But let's remember this message is to bring us joy because we are blessed through the word of our Lord Jesus Christ. And studying the Beatitudes will help us to build on the work that God already started in our lives since we became uh, Christians. One other key purpose is that looking at the Beatitudes, we'll understand more of God's character. Because Jesus was like the Beatitudes, all of them. Looking at those words that he said, he spoke about himself. He spoke about his life. And he kind of gave us a new perspective of what it means to be blessed, what it means to be happy. Because our culture, our society speaks of happiness as if, you know, you need to be slimmer. You need to be climbing on the corporal ladder. That's when you get happier. Having a big salary. Being a successful businessman or businesswoman. A successful blogger, YouTuber with lots of followers. Isn't it? That's what kind of the society tells us it is to be blessed. And nobody likes the word poor, as we started this morning. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Everyone wants to be rich, right? 
in this world we're living in. And I read an article that the world may see for the first time a trillionaire in the next 10 years. I'm not going to tell you the name. I'll let you research for that if you want. But a trillionaire. <laughs> no, me. Who knows? A trillionaire. One trillion equals a thousand billions. Can we imagine? That's, you know, something else. But Jesus revolutionized the idea of how one should live their lives to be blessed. Totally opposed to what the society are telling us. And we're looking today, a blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Why is the poor in spirit the first beatitude, actually, in the list? Someone said, because pride is one of the greatest, if not the greatest, sin. Right? That's why we have this morning poor in spirit. And this one was hard for me, actually, to prepare, because... Not sure how many of you know, um, in my youth, when I was a younger, compared to now, uh, I used to be a stand-up comedian for a few years. So I was used to get applause, and uh, I gave autographs, actually. And people looking at me like, uh, you know, a big star or something. Well, in my country there in Romania. But anyway, it was, you know, I had a bit of pride for myself, although I always had an emptiness in my heart. Well, before I became a Christian, and even now I'm working on it, you know, is this pride that sometimes comes in our hearts. And then I thought maybe I'll, I'll study, and if I finish university, you know, I'll be better. And I studied this, and I studied that, and I'm not going to go through all my CV now. But, you know, it's that kind of life that makes you think, actually, you know, I'm someone. But God humbled me, didn't he? So there I am, minister in training with a half stipend. <laughs> Which is amazing. It's a blessing. It is a blessing indeed. And we are blessed. But I just wanted to reflect this morning what it means actually. What it means to be poor in spirit. Just to understand this beatitude. And the word in Greek, makarios, if we want a bit of Greek this morning. It means one who has nothing and is completely empty. That's what the word means, poor. Does Jesus saying here that the economically poor are blessed? Not at all. Not at all. Because even the, someone that is poor, they could still be full of themselves and pride and all of that. You know, they still can still be arrogant and ungodly as the one who has more, who is rich. So it's not about... Poverty, because there is no spirituality in poverty. This is more about our heart and how do we relate to God. The world, as we looked before, it says like, fill yourself with things. And Jesus comes here and says, actually, empty yourself out. And let God fill your life to be happier. And with this verse in Revelation chapter 3, 17, one of the churches there in Laodicea, they said, the word of God and Jesus tell them, you say I'm rich, I have acquired wealth, and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. We know we look at some of the churches today or people today thinking that we, are, we, we achieved we made it. 
You know, people in Forbes magazine, for example, are they really rich in spirit? Not at all. They may have, you know, big accounts in the bank, but their heavenly accounts, there is a big debt that only our Lord Jesus Christ can pay for each and every one. So let's remember that today. Poor in spirit is when someone comes to God and says, I have nothing to offer to God in exchange for my salvation. And this verse from the song Rock of Ages, Augustus Toplady, I like this, um, this, these verses here. It says, nothing in my hand I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. Naked come to thee for dress, helpless look to thee for grace. Foul I to the fountain fly, wash me, Savior, or I die. Such a wonderful said there in that song. John Piper summarizes very well, poor in spirit is a sense of powerlessness in ourselves, a sense of spiritual bankruptcy, helplessness before God, a sense of moral uncleanness before God, and personal unworthiness before God. And C.S. Lewis on pride, which I read when I became a Christian, it really touched my heart. He says, there is one vice of which no man in the world is free, which everyone in the world dislikes when he sees it in, in someone else, and of which hardly any people ever imagine that they are guilty themselves. There is no fault which makes a man more unpopular, and no fault which we are more unconscious of in ourselves. And the more we have it ourselves, the more we dislike it in others. Nicely said by C.S. Lewis on pride. So, next point is to think, what is the attitude of someone poor in the spirit? And we have this amazing parable in Luke chapter 18, which summarizes so well. It's about the Pharisee and the tax collector. And it says, to some, it's even like an explanation of this parable, to some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a day, twice a week, and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Such a, such a good summary for today's beatitude, isn't it? So the poor in spirit are those that are not self-reliant, self-centered, or self-sufficient. They do not boast in their God's given characteristics. As we hear sometimes people boasting with their birth, place of birth, or nationality, or the color of the skin, or... That's something God gave us, each and every one of us. It's not something to boast, just to thank God for who we are. So that is what it means to be 
poor in spirit. And I like how carefully our Lord Jesus chose this beatitude, saying poor in spirit. Poor in spirit, poor in your heart about what you think about yourself. So poor in spirit is that when we profess that we do not deserve any of the gifts God has given us. It means that there is no hope of salvation in ourselves, through ourselves, without Jesus Christ. And do not boast with their spirituality. But equally, the poor in spirit is the one who's not hiding about who they are. And it's a good example when our Lord Jesus was asked by the high priest in Mark uh, chapter 14. The high priest asked him, are you the Messiah, the son of the blessed one? I am, said Jesus. And you will see the son of man sitting at the right hand of mighty one and coming on the clouds of heaven. He could have said, no, actually, you know, but he simply said, I am. So when people are asking us who you are, we should not be hiding, say, yes, I am a child of God, if we can. It depends on the, on the circumstance. And we also, sometimes we need to be aware of the false modesty. That is not poor in spirit. And a key control for that is to look in our hearts. False humility is pridefulness in disguise, isn't it? When False humility could be when intentionally we devalue ourselves of our contributions in an attempt to appear humble. So that's a key control for us to just look in our hearts a bit more. Next point is around a few examples, because I liked um, how Chris and Andy provided us with some examples for their beatitude. And I think the scripture contains so many examples. But this morning, just to... Look at uh, David when he, remember when he was, was about to fight with Goliath, the giant that no one dared to face? Saul, who was the king at that time, said to David, Come on, take my, take my shield, take my sword, take my armor. And what did David say? I just need God. I just need God. He took a little stone. And he just needed God. What do you say when you're facing the giants of, in your life? What do you need? Who do you need? If we look at David, let's say to ourselves, all I need is God. As Paul said there in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. Such a good example, isn't it? And then Peter give us um, an example. Uh, in Luke chapter 5, verses 8 to 10, when Simon Peter saw what Jesus did, when they got that amount of fish, um, Peter when he saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And then Jesus said to Simon, Don't worry, I will make you a fisherman for people. Peter was poor in the spirit, and God could use him for greater things. 
Are we willing to be used by God like Peter? And then another amazing story that Jesus has given us in, is in Luke chapter 15, the prodigal son. So the prodigal son, in his pride and arrogance, he left his father's house with uh, half of his inheritance and went away to live his life, as it happens with so many people. And during that severe famine, wasting his money, what the Bible says, he came to himself. At some point, he came to himself. So he said, he went back to his father and said, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. That's when he became poor in spirit. Coming to himself was a result of remembering father's gracious generosity. I am no longer worthy, he said. He came to his senses. If we find ourselves in life further away from God, let's remember like this prodigal son, the greatest generosity of God the Father that he showed us in our Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, there is sadness in the world. Yes, we're going through tough times sometimes. We can't deny it. We see the reality. But there is also love in this world. There is also grace in this world. There is also goodness in this world. It depends how you look at it, isn't it? If you're only focusing on the negative things that are happening, of course you'll be disappointed with people, with God. But there is love in this world. And we see it more so in our Lord Jesus Christ. So it's a matter of perspective. What do we choose to follow Next point this morning is around why is this beatitude important? All of them are important. Um, we cry to God for mercy and he will hear our cries. To be poor in spirit is an essential requirement to know the salvation of our Lord Jesus. And in Psalm 34 verse 18, it's a good uh, parallel to this beatitude. <laughs> The Lord, says in there, is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Such a nice uh, comparison, isn't it? Even in the Old Testament. And yet Jesus said about himself, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. To set a liberty those who are oppressed. Those who are poor in spirit are ready to receive his grace. And Christ can't do much for those who are turning their back, unfortunately. God doesn't force anyone to enter a church or to listen to his word. And Luca here invited someone for the Alpha course, for example. And that person said to them, I don't give a penny. They, did, they say, of course, they didn't say penny, as you can imagine. Not interested. But those who are poor in spirit, they're sick to find Lord Jesus. They're willing to learn. They are the ones who really admire, appreciate what Jesus Christ did. And their life is dependent on him. 
listening to this philosophy in the world which tells you believe in no one else but in yourself. Have faith in yourself. We will never reach that blessedness that Jesus is talking here about. Because poor in spirit, being poor in spirit, our eternal future depends on that. So let's remember this morning. And why? Why being poor in spirit? The promised blessing is the next point. Because I love how Jesus is placing these principles of life for us. You know, it's not like someone, imagine you have a, a parent who says, do this because I tell you so, right? Do this because I'm big and you're small. Do this because I am who I am and you who you are. No. Our Lord Jesus always gives us reason, gives us blessings, gives us promises. Did he ever lie? In the New Testament, if we read everything, does he seem like someone who lies? No. So when he says here, blessed are the poor in spirit, why? Because the kingdom of heaven is theirs. I believe that with all my heart. And it doesn't say it will be theirs. It says it is theirs now. We are blessed in poor in spirit and the heaven is ours now. Wow. Wow. In Luke chapter 10, we have a verse there at the end. Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like a lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the powers of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. No spiritual achievement. No sort of, I'm powerful or I'm so high with God. No. It's the joy that my name is in heaven. It's the joy that your name is in heaven that gives us this satisfaction, this blessing, this happiness, if you like. Because, my friends, without a heaven, our faith is for nothing. As Apostle Paul reminds us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. So when we know, we look at this broken world, we see the suffering, we see the appalling things that are happening, the um, rape and the, the violence and everything that's going on. It is somewhere in our heart that this must end at some point, that this is not normal. This is not what God created for us. We see, as the Bible says, the eternity is in our heart. We would like to live happily ever after, isn't it? All the stories we read as children. We would like to be in a place where there is no more suffering, where there is no more mental health, where there is no more cries, or there is no more violence and injustice. Don't you feel that? We do. It's in us. So without heaven, our gospel is worthless. But with heaven, with heaven, love is eternal. And you know the story with the, with the thief on the cross. You know, when he was poor in his spirit, nothing to offer God. What he could have offered. He, his life was about to end anyway for his uh, acts and behavior. But at that moment in his life, he asked for forgiveness. He says, God, re remember me. 
when you'll be in your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, Truly I tell you, today you'll be with me in paradise. Wow, what a promise for us this morning. Heaven is ours, all of us who believe in our Lord Jesus Christ. And the last point this morning, how do we become poorer in spirit? Because we are poor in spirit, let's say. We are blessed. How to apply this teaching in this century and age? And I just have a few practical ideas, but I'm sure you will have more to talk about after the service. Um, And the first idea I've got here is to be poor in spirit. Sometimes it's just to know your place. Just to know your place. And be concerned with what, what God has in store for you. Don't look with envy at other people. And again, Peter is a good example here. In John 21, verses 21, 22, when Jesus was telling Peter about his future, how he will be um, sort of martyrized, martyr, he become a martyr for his faith uh, and the, the way he will, he will die, Peter looked at Jesus, he saw John, and says, Lord, what about him? What about John? And Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, What concern is that to you? It's like, mind your business, isn't it? Being poor in spirit is just to receive what God has for you, what God has for your life. And that's what makes us blessed. Don't look at other people's well-being or things they have. You know, that's not our concern. Our concern is to receive what God has for us. Another point is to desire more of Jesus. In Psalm 27, verse 8, it says, My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. This is to be dependent of God more and more. If we reach a stage and we say, I think I'm praying enough. I think I'm, I'm okay. I don't need more of God. You know, That's when we can't receive more of him. So let's just seek more of God. Let's just seek him more. My next point is also experience from my life, and I'm sure everyone here could relate. How can we be poor in spirit at our workplace? So much is going on at the workplace. And we spend so much time of our lives in the workplace, and so many people I've seen, they become someone else, you know? Also, to attract people, if you have some roles in a company or in an organization, to be more attractive, you need to attach a word that is appealing, a manager, right? So you have junior manager, you have uh, assistant manager, you have manager, then you have uh, senior manager, and you have uh, um, supervisor, right? It makes more attractive for people. Everyone wants to be a manager, in a way. But at the workplace, how can we be more poor in spirit? And just thinking of that, actually, maybe, you know, we're looking for some volunteers with a welcoming um, in the church. We should say, maybe, who wants to be welcoming managers? <laughs> yes, oh, that was a joke. That was a joke. We are a welcoming church. But, you know, you want to go with the flow, and you start at workplace to be a different person, arrogant, maybe, like anyone else, talking behind people's back, envy, you know. And allow me to say this, I've worked in many places, even different countries, and the pattern is the same. The pattern is the same. You know, people 
wants to sort of step up the ladder. Lots of things can happen. Sometimes you need, maybe we need a reevaluation. How are we feeling in our workplace? Are we feeling close to God? How do you react, for example, when someone who joined the company later than you or the organization is promoted before you, right? How do you feel when a new director comes and changes the rules that you used to do like for years? It happened to me. So the more self-promoting and the more proud we are, the more affected we'll be by this in our workplaces. So I'm not saying don't have self-esteem. No, because on contrary, we should have more self-esteem, but not because of our achievements or our skills or our professional um, sort of knowledge, but because we are children of God. And sadly, so many people are confusing the workplace with their life. Yes, we spend so much time there, but it's not our life. Life is more than the workplace. Right? So we need to be ready to let God work in our lives in the workplace. And we are not irreplaceable, let's remember that. You retire, someone else will take your place. You move roles, someone else will be in that role. We are not there forever. So help us, God, to help us this morning to understand this for our lives. So, ending up this morning with this lovely scripture. Do nothing of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. It's not easy, isn't it? But this is what we are called to do. So I pray this morning that God will make us rich, rich in the fruits of the Holy Spirit and help us to understand the Beatitudes are for us to make us blessed, to live a life to the fullest, the life that God intended for us. And God bless you all. God bless you all. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.